0: Welcome to Cyber Signups, the podcast that's creating connections through cyberspace with candid conversations about cyber and tech-related issues with your host, Kath Nibbs. Do you know your GDPR from your ISO? Is your business cyber secure? If not, give agency a call on 03455 760 you can visit their website at www.theagency.com. An agency is with an I, not a Y. Hi, and welcome to this week's episode with uh, Dr. Megan Connell. It's a little bit of a short episode because we kind of uh, had lots and lots going on, and obviously uh, it's holiday season for most of us. So I do believe that uh, Megan was shooting off to go somewhere, so we've delayed... Uh, The launch of the podcast for her coming back and also because we didn't want to announce this or I didn't want to announce this about her being away because you know privacy and data protection Um, so this is a quick conversation it's not uh, an extremely long episode as normal and it's basically a stopgap so between now and when we start I start season three um, it's it's just a way of keeping a little bit of content going out there Because what I have done previously is just taken about a month, a month and a half off. And what I'm hoping to do is speak with people in between and, you know, keep the conversation going and keep you with a little bit of content in between. Um, I hope you're enjoying the sunshine, uh, the rain or whatever it is that you've got. And uh, see you soon. And I'll be announcing season three's contents very soon. Welcome to Cyber Signups. This week, I'm joined by Dr. Megan Cornell. She is a board-certified psychologist, and you're out in North Carolina.
1: Yes, North Carolina. Yep. Yes. Okay.
0: So um, I'm speaking with. Um, Dr. Megan, because uh, Ryan, Ryan and I had a very great long discussion about this, and I interviewed uh, Ryan Kelly on a number of episodes ago. So, for people who haven't listened, go back and listen to that one. Um, But you are also the co-founder, co-runner, basically the the brains behind Geeks Like Us. So, (laughs) because me and Ryan didn't really get into the nitty gritty of what that is and how it works, would you like to kind of take the floor, Megan, and tell us all about what it is?
1: Yeah, so Geeks Like Us is a community-based entertainment uh, group, which is a little unique. It's sort of a different space that we're building it in. Essentially, what we're wanting to do is we're wanting to celebrate the intersection of passion and careers, how you turn the things you're super passionate about into something that you can make a living on or at least can be part of how you make your living. So Mm -hmm. we look at people who are, you know, artists, um, artists, Game designers, uh, you know, professional gamers, um, even just using like your geeky interests in um, sci-fi to to pursue like, uh, you know, a career towards like working towards SpaceX or for NASA or something. It's about taking your passion and turning it into something that you love doing. Um, Our sort of tagline is uh, be unapologetically enthusiastic.
0: (laughs) And, and, you know, that is one of my favourite things um, in terms of, so when, when I I think what happened when I was talking with Ryan is both of us got more and more animated as we were going throughout, and by the end of it, he was going, look at this Star Wars stuff, because I talked about Star Wars and so on. But yes, in, it's funny how in the United Kingdom, the words such as geek and nerd used to be, because they were the words I got called when I was um, a lot younger and they were kind of derogatory comments. They're quite, they're quite hip and cool now. God, now I sound like a child, but they are hip, cool and happening. And it's, it's almost like this passion has been really embraced by what you've done on geeks like us. Um, so we, I, I will get around to kind of getting people to go to the site and have a look at, cause you've done videos and, and there's just so much on there. Um, so this, yeah, be unapologetically, Passionate, enthusiastic about the fact that we have what I'm going to call passions, hobbies, um, likes and dislikes, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, not addictions, because no. and that's, that's often where this conversation leads with people who who kind of don't understand it.
1: Right. Well, and it's taking your passion and just turning it into something healthy. Right. So it's like mm. if you love Magic: The Gathering, right, and you play it all the time. And you turn that passion and that drive into working at a game store and then you know maybe working up to the point where you're running tournaments or maybe even you go out and you start working for Wizards of the Coast helping to design magic. Um, it, that's not addiction. That's passion. That's drive. That's working on something. And just because it's not what we would think of as a typical career doesn't mean it's wrong or that it's bad.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, well, I have the one question to come up, which is um, kind of... Probably not going to come as a surprise to you about you know what's you know what's the kind of um, gender distribution when we talk about this kind of group but also I'm just thinking so when I was younger, um, I'm just thinking about Games Workshop when it first began. It was a place always hidden down the side of a street. you had to yeah. it was kind of like you had to know the code and you went mm-hmm. there and you kind of went in and, and kind of everybody looked fairly similar. We did We all wore black pretty much. And, and we kind of just bought the stuff, never really talked, and then went home. What I'm hearing is this is much, much more about a community, about conversations, and about embracing and celebrating it.
1: It is. It's finding, you know, it's finding the things that you can get excited about and just love. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Live in it. One of the things that it helps spur geeks like us into being is looking at how projects are made nowadays. You know, looking at things like GoFundMe and Kickstarter where, um, and even like Twitch and, uh, to a certain extent as well, YouTube, where people can directly contact the creators that they like and directly support the creators that they like. And so like, because now, like, if you're wanting to make a geek show, you don't have to go through a big studio. You don't have to go through a big network. You just find people who are passionate about your project and you do that. Like, um... The uh Dungeons and Dragons show uh, critical role, they recently raised eleven million dollars to make an animated series based off of their game. Wow. And that was all crowdfunded. Like it was people who were passionate about this story, passionate about these characters, all came together to make something that they all want to see. And so living in this world where we don't we don't have to all fit into a streamline. We can find our niche group and stick within that and really build that community of people who are passionate and excited about those things, you know, we can directly, if we think of more of a consumer model, like if, because a a part of geeks like us is talking about, you know, making your passion into something that can be a career for you. When you get to know the people who love the things that you love, you can figure out things that you can tailor make for those people. You know, whether that's dice for gamers, um, cosplay pieces for people who love cosplay, writing workshops for fan fiction, coding for games. Like there's all kinds of things that we can do within our passions.
0: And yeah, I'm just thinking about the, um, the fact that I do work with children Mm -hmm. and quite often what, what tends to happen coming into um, like the therapy room is parents will say, yeah, but you know, he, he spends an inordinate amount of time on this or she's always doing that. And, and I go, well, have you sat with them and talked about what this is and what it means to them and how, you know and it might just be model making I'm thinking you know I'm going back again to kind of my youth model shops to you know going and buying an air fix and sticking it together with um glue that you get all over the table two two tubs of paint because that's all that ever existed and here we are and I I sit with children and I go my goodness look at them they can now produce their own programs they can edit their own videos on on a smartphone (laughs) you know and, and the parents are like, I don't know how they do it. And I say, well, ask them, pay attention, get involved, get involved. This stuff is really exciting for them.
1: It is. And one of the other things that I do is I'm a therapeutic dungeon master. So I use Dungeons and Dragons in a therapeutic way. Mm-hmm. And the groups I run, one of the things I do is the following day is I send an email to all the parents with questions to ask their kids about what we did and try. And part of that is, to get the parents to understand what's happening in the room, but also to coach parents on how to talk to their kids about their interests. You know, like with D&D, it's not, well, so what did you guys do? It's, what did your character do? (laughs) What did your character think about this thing? And, you know, parents can learn to ask the questions that key into their kids' interests. It's amazing how much we can build on that.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah and I'm just thinking about the flippant comments about Minecraft and I go, but it's not Minecraft. It's a village they're they're building a village. They're building a town. They're building a, you know, have you ever asked them what's in, what's in their castle? What's in their building? No. And I go, try asking, see what you find. uh, Oh, wow. I'm so, I'm so excited to be talking to you. (laughs) Because there is so much here about, um, I really do want to ask you kind of like the, the tabletop D and D stuff that you do therapeutically, you know, how, how did you? How did you come up with that idea? How did you get people to embrace it?
1: Well, so I uh, was playing a home campaign, and uh, I had played two different characters in two different games. And so one of the things I was doing was kind of mulling over my characters and thinking about them as psychologists do, in sort of that way of like, what does this say about me? Because they yeah. both came from my head, right? And I had this light bulb moment and I came to this realization. I was like, oh, whoa, there's a core hurt that both of these characters are hitting on because they were seemingly very, very different people. And when I found their common thread, I was like, it really hit me like in the gut of like, okay, that's something I have to work on. And it clued me into something for myself. And then I immediately went to, God, that would have taken decades in therapy to figure out. And that thing of like, wow, this came in sideways to teach me what I needed to learn about myself and then I wanted to start using it in other ways and then it just so happened that on Dragon Talk that week uh, Dr. Boconzaro out in Seattle um, often known as Dr. B's from Take This was talking about how his group um, aspiring youth used tabletop role playing games and so uh, reached out to him and since then we've become very good friends. Uh, We actually have developed a training together and uh, use some of his notes, and then um, the practice that I'm at with uh, Dr. Ryan Kelly, uh, Southeast Psych, is very supportive of trying new things, and so they were supportive of me trying these role-playing game groups, and I've got two going right now. I'm going to be starting a third and possibly a fourth in the fall, so, and my, my groups are unique, too, because they're all female. Uh,
0: right. Ah, now that I didn't know. Now you see, Ryan, haven't. so actually there comes that question about the gender in terms of it, it yeah. often gets seen as a male orientated, geeky world, doesn't it? In terms of, you know, the science and it, so on.
1: It does. And it's really not like my experiences. I, I honest, you know, and I, I'm going to say, I don't have a good study to cite on this. So please take the words about to come out of my mouth with grain salt. But <laughs> I think it's really more of a big 50, 50 at this point, you know, it, it's, I see women, just as many women at conventions as men. You know, there's just, mm-hmm. just as many women, if not more women, cosplaying than men.
0: Yeah, um, actually, there is. And whilst it's not um, peer-reviewed research, the, the study I mentioned just before we press record, actually, what they did find is that there's a, almost a 50-50 split in online gaming with young people. So, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, we can start to look at this stuff now and go, okay, actually where it used to be the boys played this uh we're now looking going actually everybody does this because it's it's become so affordable um and i think that was the niche about uh kind of like games workshop when when i used to walk in it was a little bit like the scenes that happen quite often on uh, big bang theory and I, i think that's done maybe something towards pushing that actually not not everybody is completely like the characters Mm -hmm. in big bang theory but actually the women in it as well also start to take part and they're scientists and they're geeky and they they really love their their stuff each of them their own topic so i yeah i do think that we could we could start citing studies And, and i think for us as um kind of researchers academics and people who work in this area there just isn't enough studies to cite at the moment
1: but yeah, and that's the big problem that we're running into is just there's not enough research being done. Um, video games are picking up momentum. Um, tabletop games, were way behind on the research and we need a lot more research being done. So if you are a graduate student looking for a research project to do, consider studying the therapeutic benefits of tabletop gaming.
0: <laughs> well, to be honest, the demographics of my um, audience, there is at least 40% in the US that Take the downloads on the audio section from one of the platforms so perhaps you know that that is really helpful for those of you listening in the U.S. Uh, I, will put, I will put your Twitter details at the bottom of this and then people can come and yeah. talk to you. Yeah, I yeah. love
1: getting contacted by college students who are looking to research this because like uh, with something that hasn't been studied the ability to get published is increased as well and so it, it really gives you a chance and your professor who is going to of course get primary authorship on this the chance to to really shine <laughs> yeah. it out and uh, get published which is a very good thing
0: yeah and and th- well this is the thing isn't it is this is what I said to what I said to you is this is what I'm facing here in terms of I'm, I'm saying to therapists so I'm I'm um, a director for research and development for the online therapy world well that's going to include VR AR and, and things like that and I'm looking at all of these students going, What? come on, somebody do something on VR, somebody do something on AR, somebody do, and they all go, what was, uh, uh. technology, cath, and therapy, which is why I'm kind of now doing the course that I'm going to be doing for them to say, actually, you know, it's really not scary. It's about yeah. having, your clients will bring the material. So actually, you're, you're doing a research project based on what the clients bring to you. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: it's such a rich field for research and there's so much that we can discover and learn. And it's so much help that can be given with these different tools.
0: Yeah. I was, I was actually drawn to when you, when you were talking Megan about the, the kind of the the information that came in sideways, that's pretty much like the conversation that I had with Tony, uh, Tony Bean, for those that don't know who I'm talking about in in terms of when he was talking about what an avatar can represent. And, And for me, it's exactly the same as the Sun Tray. These, these young people will go and pick a figure and I'm usually like, why that figure? what was what What was different about that one? You know, why did you pick the one with the the shield and the helmet versus not the one with the sword and the the hammer, or why the knight, not the princess? Because yeah. I, I, I did make sure, and I do have kind of like all of the um so I've got like the Marvel and D c. heroes for the Santre and that, so that children can buy the superhero uh, buy, buy into kind of using the superhero character because for me that's what they'd be doing on a computer game yep
1: yeah yeah, yeah.
0: so what's the yeah what is the best bit about having a, an all-female D group
1: oh my it, seeing their confidence build um what one of my groups they uh oh gosh what's the term that they use violent acceptance i think is how they talk about each other and like if People get start over-apologizing. They do D6 attacks. So, so if, And they have done this to me, too. Like, if I'm flustered and I start saying sorry too much, you start gently chucking D6s across the table and trying to be like, <laughs> you're fine. You don't need to apologize. We're confident in here. We're okay. And um, if somebody's having a hard day, like, the, the hugs that they give each other are just amazing. And these girls, like, it, it, it's... You know we have this fictional idea that the, there's the damsel in distress right mm-hmm. and so my, my group is entitled the self-rescuing princess with Excellent. the idea that yeah these girls are being rescued they are the ones doing the rescuing and getting them to have those abilities where they see their characters being successful and strong and competent and then they can do it yeah and feeling stronger through playing and it's just so much fun um,
0: i'm just thinking about what they can then take out into the real world so the idea of okay i had this success in the i'm going to call it the therapy room even though it's a therapeutic but but there's something about i had this success and now i can generalize and take that to you know Mm -hmm. my irl and off i go and i now try the same kind of uh you know technique or i i'm just thinking about empowerment agency autonomy mastery uh wow
1: well, and most of the girls that I see have some form of social anxiety or is, you know, something that getting in the way of them socializing. Yeah. And so teaching d d gives them the skill set that they can take and go, hey, I can run a game for you or I can play in this game and I know the rules, I understand how to play, and this will be fun for us. It gives them that ability to connect with other people in an authentic way that is very helpful for them and it gives them that tool set that they can use. And it yeah. makes more players, which is, I think, great as well.
0: I absolutely I'm I'm like I'm just thinking about the the positives of this and I mean isn't this going to be good that I'm going to get this podcast out and I'm going to put it all over LinkedIn and talk about you know what are the what are the positives for a young person to play a tabletop game to take their passion to to become enthusiastic and here we are it's all about how they then manage real life interactions and transactions and and kind of moving forward self-esteem, self-confident, I'm going to start reeling off, you know. <laughs>
1: yeah, it does all of those things. And, like, you know, something else, too, it is just, like, with D&D, basic math, right? You have mm-hmm. to roll your journeys, you have to add your hit points, and you're you know, taking damage and figuring out ability checks, you know. And then understanding, too, the, the creative problem-solving. That You know that, that is one of my favorite things about Dungeons & Dragons, is you walk into a room and you can do pretty much anything. You know, it's how
0: do you want to solve this problem that's before you? And yeah. what do you want to do? And, and there it, therein doth lie the lesson, you know, because that's yeah. that's essentially what happens in life, isn't it? We And we go, oh, the, the I don't know, the washing machine's broken. What do I do now? Okay, this is what I can do. And I can put myself into a framework where actually yeah. my problem-solving skills are, are here for me to do what I need to now moving forward. Yep. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And... Well, I mean, not that I'm saying D and D is very much like fixing a washing machine, but I, I'm just <laughs> a, that was that was so kind of like gender, maybe gender specific or not, but <laughs> that,
1: do you need to do so your I, laundry?
0: <laughs> so I'm I'm not actually a D and D player. What I what I tend to do with the the young people that come in my practice is ask about it and get you know. So tell tell me what happens when you're doing this and who's the dungeon master and how does that work and you know who sits where. Um, and you know, because my background is in other games and kind of going yeah. back to computers and so on. So for me, there's something about kind of like Ryan. Ryan and I were talking about the um, computer games are a way for him to kind of connect with children because we we got onto the subject matter of um, autism, social anxieties, and I'm kind of hearing the same thing. So would would you say this is probably the the kind of new cool way to have an intervention for? you know, GAD, social anxieties, um, all of the other kind of psychopathological disorders.
1: I would hope so. I, mm. I would love for it to become like the new cool way to do it because <laughs> like it is fun, you know, it's a chance to sit down and connect with people. If we think about like autism and also social anxiety too, it's the unknown. I don't know what's expected of me at, you know, when I sit down at the lunch table. What What conversations am I allowed to have? What am I not allowed to say? What is expected? When we're sitting down at a gaming table, like, yes, you can pretty much have your characters do anything, yet there is structure to it. There is rules to it. We know in, you know, and you know this doing play therapy, that the research on pretend play for children, it shows that it's not anything goes. Like, pretend play is incredibly regulated. So many rules, and you have to adhere to those rules if you want to play in the pretend world. Yeah, and, and so it's the same thing with Dungeons and Dragons. We have these rules, we know the expectations, and that can really decrease the anxiety. And so that's where, again, like we were talking about before, we get that, those moments to bring out our confidence and to bring out our ability to talk about, you know, oh, this is, um, okay, now that I see how this is, can be, I can talk a little bit more about me, and it's okay to talk about this stuff, and it's, yeah. I feel more comfortable and confident to do these things
0: yeah I'm also thinking about the normalization that if there are other people around the table who also seem to have the same issue feelings that actually it makes me not all by myself so uh, what a way to kind of get out of the isolation bubble that we sometimes feel in particularly you know when you sit with clients well and I will sit with the adults and I'll say something they go yeah but nobody else thinks like this Kath and I go oh but they do they do. There are so many people who think like this, and it's a case of I wonder if I could get adults to do this. I'm, as I said to you, I'm struggling to get the therapist to take this up, you know, let alone if I could start running groups.
1: <laughs> One of the groups I'm hoping to start is a 20 plus groups because I've got uh, a 11 to 14 and then a 15 to 19 group, and now I'm trying to do a 20 plus as well. because yeah. um, when I pitch the game in my group to uh parents a lot of times the moms will be like i want this
0: <laughs> um well that that's where my head had gone just a moment ago because this is the way that i would uh, kind of introduce it so why, why don't you come along and and you know i'm not sure i'm not sure many of the moms that that i work with would be you know down with doing dnd but they might be down with you know coming and having some form of um mm-hmm connective group but i'm i'm thinking what a fabulous way to do it. i mean i'm sure this is what the we tried to do years ago when it came yeah. out and it said why don't we all have we sports and we we'll all and then it just became highly competitive Families has yeah. got all sorts of arguments um you know it's because i'm just thinking that's my favorite way to check uh family tolerance levels so we all have a go on the Wii and 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 you can see who suddenly gets competitive and who can't tolerate losing and you know it's that kind of thing but with With adults, I'm thinking the tabletop stuff is really, really helpful.
1: Yeah, and there's different ways that you can scaffold people into it. You know, like Dungeons & Dragons, like the fifth edition is very easy to pick up compared to other editions. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you've never played a tabletop role-playing game before, it's a lot to take on, and it's a lot to look at. Um, They've got a couple of starter sets that are really good. But, you know, even just playing, there's um, the Forbidden series of uh, board games, Forbidden Island, Forbidden Desert, and Forbidden Sky. They're cooperative mm-hmm. games, um, and you do have a role that you play. You don't have to role play at all, though. I mean, it's just a mechanic in the game. But they're very fun in, like, getting people to play these non-competitive games. And when I ask p- play, uh, families if they game, and they're like, oh, well, we play Monopoly. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> it's the worst yeah. game. <laughs> like, that's to fights and tears. Like, I, I hate that, you know, like... There's nothing wrong with competitive games, but competitive games where one player can be eliminated early and it's supposed to be family time together—that it's mm-hmm. working as well. <sighs>
0: uh, yeah, uh, I'm just thinking about the the rows generally are around Monopoly or um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just thinking about the board games that started off in my therapy room when I first started years and years ago. In terms of, I had um, a, a version of Ludo. I had a version of Frustration. They kind of got put to one side. That, that's for me and the client to play because when families or parents get involved, there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of emotions. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but I, ah, you see, I'm I'm just thinking about whether this could be something schools could implement.
1: And I, I would hope so. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: so um, it- actually, um so adam johns and adam davis of game to grow out in seattle they have made uh, what's called critical core and it's a box set that is a simplified version of dungeons and dragons and it's designed for hospitals schools clinics therapy offices um the kickstarter's over for it but i think they're taking pre-orders um but if you go to i think it's game is their website Yeah.
0: I'm i adam davis is the name of another person i need to go and kind of hassle to get on here because again whilst whilst this is a podcast about all sorts about cyber issues and so on and so forth yeah. actually there there's there's a lot of me in this in terms of me going this is my geek my passion my enthusiasm and i want to talk to people about the games about computers about yeah because I, I do think it's about pushing it forward in terms of this is the, this is the positive side of it all yeah so, and, wow. and there's so many
1: Positives that we can get from gaming and just being together and co- connecting together.
0: I absolutely and and this is what you know. If I think about the the OAPs that have their knit and natter afternoons, how is this any different? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, right. I'm aware that you you are extremely busy today, and uh, um, and I know you need to to get off. So, is there is there anything you would like people to know about geeks like us? I'm going to put it in the show notes so people can head over to the website and have a look at... Yeah,
1: check out out Geeks Like Us. Um, I do a lot of things. I don't feel like I do a lot of things until I start listing them, and then I realize I do. Yes, Because I'm the (laughs) Dungeon Master of Clinical Role. It's an all-therapeutic Dungeon Master D&D game, so I run it, and all the other players are psychologists or therapeutic Dungeon Masters themselves. I'm also the uh, host, producer, and writer for Psychology at the Table. It's a YouTube series for Geeks Like Us where we talk about... For people who run games, how to help their players who have different struggles. So it's not geared towards therapists. It's more for laymen of, like, if you have a friend who starts having a panic attack at your table, how can you help them with that? Mm-hmm. Or if you noticed your friend slipping into a depression, what are things that you can do to help bring them back to the table and bring them back gaming with you? Um, I also do some writing for geeks like us and i do my independent practice and my running my groups and running trainings um there's just all kinds of things so follow me on twitter that's where you can see all of the things i do
0: yeah because actually this is your passion and this is what i'm seeing is where people go oh my god kathy you never stop and i go no because i'm passionate i'm i'm enthusiastic about what i do Um, and when i do stop i stop with a yeah i stop with a nice that's it i'm not doing anything now
1: (laughs) yeah that's and that's pretty much where i'm heading is pretty soon is like i just need to Couple of weeks
0: yeah. and us through it. So, thank you, thank you so much for giving me your time, Megan. And and you know, have a have a wonderful holiday. Uh, obviously, I know what you're going to disappear off and do now. So, have a, a fantastic afternoon. And you know, I'll I'll still continue on uh, Twitter, blah blah blah. And as soon as this is ready, I'll let you know. And and um, hopefully, we can get thank more you. people in the United Kingdom maybe following this stuff. I hope so. podcast was edited by Rory Kavanagh, an audio enthusiast and music producer.